0: Hello and welcome to the Vision Podcast, an extremely irregular audio extravaganza where I speak to people like you about their computer collections and memories. This podcast, like the Vision YouTube channel, is funded by the channel's kindly Patreon supporters, or Patreon if you will, who make all this possible. So thank you to them. Today I'm joined by Matthew Scott, aka d 205 from Twitter. Matt is a long-term Spectrum and Amiga user with a large collection of machines. We began with me asking him about when he first got onto the computing scene.
1: I was quite late, actually, to the 8-bits. I was about 12, so that would have been 87, and I got a Spectrum Plus for Christmas, so I was quite late, (laughs) and absolutely loved that. Managed to break it, because I had a slight temper and punched it, um, and the bottom row of keys stopped working, so (laughs) the following Christmas I got a Plus 2A. For Christmas, with the light gun pack, not the James Bond one, the other one. Uh, so I had the robot attack pack, and yeah, went from there. That set me on the way to everything I do for a living. So <laughs> it worked out well, one way or another.
0: And what kind of games were you playing on that Spectrum Plus that kind of first Christmas and first few months?
1: Well, the first Christmas, I think all, all I had was the usual Gubbins, like Make a Chip and Scrabble. I did have Derby Day, which was horse betting in BASIC. I used to play that and Scrabble with my grandma and I had obviously the Horizons tape so there was the maze painter and stuff on there so that first that first Christmas with the plus was a bit rarefied on good games (laughs) but uh, that soon changed and obviously I started using my pocket money on uh, mainly magazines so a lot of my tapes and everything were cover tapes.
0: And before you got that spectrum any friends or relations with computers that you were exposed to? No, I don't. I'd only seen a Vic Twenty when I, God,
1: I must have been nine. Um, that was at a friend's house, and it was their little kids' computer, and I didn't even know what it was. Um, but I do remember playing two cartridges on it, which was Jelly Monsters and whatever they called the Blitz Bomber game. Oh, I've um, seen
0: a Future's Eight bit play that, but I can't yeah. remember. I've got it on the uh, cart, but uh, yeah, I know the one you mean. Yeah, but that that was it. That was the only thing I'd
1: seen up until then other than, you know, LCD handhelds, you know, like uh, Astro Wars and the
0: like. That was the thing because there was this environment where there was you go from nothing to discovering this this thing that's almost dismissed at the time by adults and what have you and suddenly it's your mind is blown by what you're seeing. Oh yeah, I mean, as I said, I didn't get many games with it originally, so I just
1: devoured the manual. Um, as, as a lot of kids did then, um, and just absolutely blew my mind typing things in and having some crap stick figure run around on the screen in basic. That was it. I was addicted. I did everything I could to stay on that machine as late as possible <laughs> at night, trying to load tapes quietly. That's a fun one, uh, when your bedroom's next to your mum and dad's room. <laughs> so you had you had a TV with this as well then? Uh, I did. I was very lucky. I don't know where my dad got it from. He um, He got... I can't even remember the make because I think it was Chinese. It may well have been Japanese, but at age 12, I couldn't tell the difference. It was was a really nice little sort of probably 13-inch set that was in my room with a loop aerial on it. And I'd seen it weeks before Christmas. It was sitting under their dressing table in their bedroom in, in a box. And I was like, what's that under there, Dad? And he said, oh, it's just a box from work. It's just got parts in because my dad worked in a power station. Oh, it's just you know, random bits from work. Oh, right. Yeah, sure it is, Dad. So, yeah, I was lucky to have that in my room. Black and white or colour? It was colour. Oh.
0: Oh, yes. <laughs> Maybe that's why it was a, a dodgy make. That, <laughs> that equaled out the price, probably. Where were you buying your software? Where were you getting it from?
1: John Menzies and Boots, mainly, if I remember rightly, uh, in Berry. Uh, which is where I'm from. Um, and then there was a small independent shop that appeared once things kind of took off a bit called Bits and Bites on the Rock in Berry. And that was your typical, you know, slatted walls, cassettes all the way down and TVs up above the counter kind of tiny little shop. Mainly that and the kind of newsagent.
0: I mean, that was it. The newsagent was, I guess, for it, depending where you live, because if you lived in a big town, you would have. Lots of choice of software. If you lived in a small town, actually, most of the games you'd be buying would be from the newsagent. And then, uh, as time went on, I think our local WH Smith, for example, started stocking games. So, the idea of today that games are just available everywhere, I still find it strange because they were this rarefied thing that you could only get full price games in certain shops and so on.
1: Oh, yeah, you had to take a trip to go and get a proper game. (laughs) Or do something stupid like I did and join the home computer club where they con you out of 15 quid every other month. Tell us about that. Uh, That was one of those, Dad, this looks like a great idea. Look, I get four games for a fiver. Not reading the bit at the bottom that says you get editor's choice if you're too slow to make your mind up. Um, So, yeah, all of a sudden, editor's choice turns up, which just happens to be a £24 game. Um, so yeah there was a few of those where my dad had to kind of phone them up and send it back <laughs> i didn't stay
0: in that very long i i mean they used to get pushed out in Amstrad computer use those little uh leaflets game mm. 49p and of course you're young so you don't really understand and my dad's going no <laughs> no which is probably the sensible thing to do because you're going to get we're sending you this stuff from now on forever
1: Yes. <laughs> um, the other thing was, actually, where where I lived in Berry. I lived kind of outside of Berry in a village, and it had um, a library there. And I went in one day, and they'd opened a side room up that was just full of software you could rent um, or lend, you know, library <laughs> lend. And that was brilliant, especially if you had a twin tape deck at home, which, which doesn't help if the game's got a lens lock. <laughs> but, but, yeah, I rented all kinds of stuff from there, stuff I couldn't afford.
0: And your friends will be getting computers this time, so presumably you're lending games, copying games and so on with them. It's funny, in my
1: school, it was mainly Spectrum owners. I don't think I remember anyone with a C64, um, but there was one Amstrad owner, my mate Dan. He lived in a really nice house at the bottom of the hill from where I was, so I went and had a play on that one. I think it was near Christmas. I seem to remember him having a Christmas tree up and playing Oh Mummy on the Amstrad being kind of because I still had my plus at that point and obviously the Amstrad's 20 feet wide <laughs> it did see it did seem a bit of a, oh that looks like a proper computer and it, I think he even had the color monitor because I, th- I think his dad did quite well in carpets or something so I think he got he got a, a decent setup so yeah that was the only o- other non spectrum I remember at school so yeah there was a lot of playground copying or like relatives turning up because he would heard I'd got a computer and someone in works given them a WH Smith cassette
0: So how long did you have the Spectrum for?
1: Obviously, I broke the Plus. I had the Plus 2A for a very long time, pretty much till it must have been getting on for late 90s. So it's the only machine I had having moved on to another platform, because previously I'd always had to sell something to buy something. Um, And when I got an, an A600, I kept the Speccy because there's still tons of games on it that I loved having. So I did have that for quite a long while, and then uh, sold it probably a couple of years before I moved out of home for not much money, which uh, gutted me.
0: I find something interesting with the people who collect today, um, compared to the oi Paloi who just <laughs> kind of had computers and that was it, and they were to, oh, I had the one with the colourful keys, in that a lot of us upgraded, but we hung on for as long as possible to the machines we had because we didn't want to lose access to those machines and those games.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's there's plenty of Spectrum games that I was still playing, even though I had an A600. Think things like Turbo Esprit, probably Target Renegade, even though there's much better games on the Amiga. I mean, I must have had hundreds of cover tapes. And I still liked going through all the demos and like the Shock Mega demo and stuff like
0: that. I'd still put them on. And presumably after the Amiga, you fell into the PC like like we all did? Uh, no, I'm one of those people who
1: hung on for grim death. Oh dear. Um, <laughs> yeah, I um, I massively upgraded that Amiga. I went over to Bowler's Trade Fair in Trafford Park, uh, which was like a big PC market, and bought a effectively a server case, a big full tower with a big sliding door on the front and cut the back off it. And my dad cut with a plasma cutter at his work, a new back that fit the Amiga motherboard. (laughs) Um, So I had this enormous full tower case. Um, It had a a Blizzard 030 50 megahertz card in it, Um, had PCMCIA SCSI, had a CD-ROM, two hard drives, got a multi-sync monitor. I I can't remember, I'd put so much stuff into that, and I did my university coursework on that. So I, you know, I finished uni in 2001.
0: (laughs) I don't know how you manage. I mean, I I admire anyone who could have clung (laughs) on, but I went to sixth form in autumn 94, A-level computing course. And by half term, perhaps even before, it had become completely obvious to me that (laughs) there was no way forward with the Amiga. I couldn't run the software everyone else was running. Yeah, you needed this thing. At home, uh, which is yeah. awful because it was <laughs> you kind of got this Packard Bell computer, went to PC World and got rinsed for that and mm. got this thing home. I thought, well, it's fast. So 3D stuff's great. We had no sound, didn't have a sound card. <laughs> Windows is rubbish. And I'm still doing all my A V stuff on my Amiga. It's just this I'm mo- I'm just kind of obsessed slightly with this moment that people could still be running the Amigas. And be okay with it. Whereas well, I always felt like I was being grabbed into this world of PCs and I didn't want to go, but I was having to. Well, the go. funny thing
1: is, I did a BSc in computer science. Oh, right. <laughs> so I was using my Amiga. I mean, it helped, it had an accelerator, but I was running PC task uh, to do my Turbo Pascal work in that. I had um, a high density external floppy drive so I could exchange stuff. But, you know, bearing in mind, most of my work, yeah, my uni work stuff was done in uni in the computer lab right so it was only when i had to do stuff at home i'm trying to remember what did i i think i did my dissertation which was god about 60 odd pages in wordsworth but yeah i do, I do remember play uh, playing around with pc task a lot to get sort of the dos stuff i think it helped that i was the era where we were learning graphics coding and stuff in dos so i yeah. could run that at home um, if, if we'd have been doing Windows stuff, which we did in a couple of modules, but I did those you know in uni. But if it had been a couple of years later, yeah, it couldn't have worked.
0: So when did you start, let's use the polite word, which isn't hoarding, <laughs> collecting?
1: I think the only thing I've still got from my childhood is a Walkman. Everything else went over the years. The Amiga survived until we got our first house. Uh, and we only had a tiny little box room to have as a study. Uh, so I had my wife's pc in there and this massive monstrosity i'd built um and a it was in the way and didn't get used much and b we were going to have a baby and that was going to end up having a cot in that room so sadly i sold that and now i know how much the parts that i'd built into it are worth i really wish i'd just put it in the loft so that went so the only thing i really had around sort of early 2000s was i managed to uh, find a um a box dreamcast on a car boot sale I didn't have any money with me. I was like, keep that. I'm going to go to the cash machine because we were running a stall and hadn't actually sold anything yet and had no money, just the float. So I just ran back to the stall, told my wife what I was doing. I'm just going to run into Frodsham and get some money out. And she said, oh, take take my nan with you for a walk. I said, oh, God, I was planning to literally run to a cash machine and ended up taking this um, Septagerian for a wander for three quarters of an hour. And when I came back with the money, the guy was just handing it over to someone else. And thankfully, he took it back and said, oh, he was first. He just went for money. So it started with that Dreamcast, probably 2001-ish. And then I think I picked a Spectrum up again, a plus 2A, to kind of show my son. um, And a couple of LCD games. But that was kind of it for a while, because I didn't have anywhere to put any of this. We, We didn't have a spare room in the house. But we, uh, we moved house a few times and kind of during that period, I'd occasionally pick something up and just kind of hide it in a box in the loft. Um, when we finally moved into this house four years ago, all these things came out of the loft in boxes. So there was a, a Speccy, uh, there's an Amstrad 1640 Double D, and a bunch of LCD games, and a C64C, um, and a lot of tapes. So that all came down out of the loft so that was about four years ago because the house we'd moved into had a spare room Um, and that kind of was a bit of a catalyst everything went a bit mental Um, and I think hoarder is probably closer to (laughs) it's probably closer to the uncomfortable truth than collector Um, to the point where I've, I've actually started giving some things away I've given a couple of machines away to people over the last couple of years and
0: just trying to Trim it down a bit because I can't move in this room. (laughs) With prices the way they are now, Mm. it's less of a problem, but it's um, that time when you could just get hold of stuff and just be on eBay. Oh, I have that for £30, £20 Mm. here, £15 box dreamcast as I paid with all the games. (laughs) You know, you could just grab stuff, and now you're kind of – you have to kind of at some point decide what's important to you. So what what machines have you got that are important to you? Well, I mean, the main one is the
1: Speccy the room is dominated by a wall of spectrum tapes i've got wall mounted cassette racks and that really is i did start collecting tapes for the other machines i had but i've got no nostalgia for them so the the is the big one um so i've got a toast rack um which i bought literally as a barn find as a bundle of machines covered in hay um, <laughs> so i've got the specky i've got um, an a1200 that I, I, I will not let go again and a Sam Coupe, which I, I treated myself as a birthday present last year. I've tried not to spend big money on anything. I've always bought something either you know by fluke, because it was cheap, or something that needed fixing up or was a bit tatty and I could clean up. The only things I've actually spent what I'd call proper money on was the Vectrex, because I got excited at Play Expo. I bought a boxed one, the coupe, because it was a birthday present, so I had the money for it. An MSX2, I've got Philips MSX2. I bought them probably three, four years ago, apart from the SAM. So what was
0: good money for them then, they're double that now. So, so i, was, I it's, still gone don't, mad. Yeah. It's, it's gone mad. It's gone mad. Did you get your MSX from Holland or Netherlands? Uh, I or? did. Yep, <laughs> that's, that was the place to get them. That it f- was. But I mean, even over there, the prices have gone mm. nuts. Let alone with import duty and everything. Now, how do you feel about current prices? It's funny. I, I think with the machines, I can I can kind of understand it a bit
1: because it's the machine, the feel. It, that's the that's the big piece of plastic nostalgia. The software is just stupid. The prices that people are putting games up for now, they're trying to ask hundreds of pounds for a tape um, and not even ones that are especially rare. They just seem to think they can just put stupid numbers on everything. And I think the problem is it tempts people into selling off their collection as well because you can liquidate it and do quite well out of it. And I've tried to avoid that. So, yeah, it's mainly the software prices that that just,
0: I look at it and just
1: think, what is going on?
0: I mean, you do see these people selling collections on eBay for ridiculous money, but I sometimes think that's because their partner has told them to sell some stuff and they've stuck it all on there for fifteen grand, knowing full well it's never going to shift, but they can tell their partner, No, it's on there, look, I'm getting rid of it all. I hadn't thought of that, but yeah, I bet there's a few like that. <laughs> I think there's got I think some of those thousand pound machines, I I honestly, they're either deluded or they are on there because they have told partner or whoever that yeah I'm getting rid of it, but it's never going to sell because there's stuff on there beyond on there for years.
1: Oh yeah, I mean, funnily enough, when I went to when Play Expo started again, and there was, I think I think the collection it's the people I bought my Vectrex off about four or five years ago. They had a CD32 um, in the, is it Fantastic Voyage pack uh, boxed one, and they've been carrying that round. To play expos for about six years, and it it was up for four hundred and fifty quid cool. or something like that, the the last time I went, and that's pre COVID, <laughs> um, it was still there at the one the other um, month, but they had actually dropped it finally, and I think they got sick of carrying it around. If I'm honest, they dropped it to I think three seven five or something like that, uh, and it did actually sell. Presumably because it's boxed. I mean, to be fair, it was the box was in really good shape. So if you, you know, the kind of person who displays boxes, which I'm just not,
0: you know, I can imagine someone got excited like I did with the Vectrex. I was going to say the box thing I find weird because I mean I've okay, I've got I'm unintentionally displaying a GX4000 box here in my <laughs> uh, office, but that's not because it's on display. It's because I've got nowhere else to put it because the GX4000 lives in its box. But I mean, how you don't? You said you don't have any on display. How how do you feel about that kind of stuff that goes around <laughs> the ownership of the machines? Funnily enough, I I do have.
1: Every time I see one come up on eBay, I have I do get a massive rush of nostalgia for the Light Gun One Twenty Eight K Specy Pack. Partly because when I was a kid, on the front of the box is a, a blonde-haired bowl-cutted kid in the bottom corner of the box. That's what I look like at that age. So <laughs> that box is always a bit of a funny one for me anyway, because it looks like I'm on it. I kind of get the idea that if you had, say, you'd gone through a Speccy, an Amiga, you maybe had a Saturn or Dreamcast or whatever, having the boxes for the nostalgia of the systems you owned, I completely understand. I just don't have the space for it. What I kind of can't get my head around is where you just get boxes for everything and display them all. You are just filling your room with cardboard. <laughs> It's like, I'd, I'd rather fill it with machines all people no. get cross people will get cross <laughs> no i mean i have some boxes in the loft just because things i bought came in boxes but i just put them in the loft with the boxes for the toaster and the tv and you know they're just boxes uh yes it would help if i came to sell them but I'm not that bothered whether I buy something with a box or not. And in fact, it vastly reduces the price. If you don't,
0: yes. <laughs> I kind of don't see
1: the point of spending the extra money
0: on something you're going to put in the loft and only take out when you sell the machine. It didn't used to be that way because I've, I've got boxes and machines that I just bought, like some of the mass systems and, uh, so on. And they just came box and there was mm. no premium attached to that at so- all. Let's try a little bit of a word association. I, uh, just pick a number between one and fifteen. I'll give you a word, and just say, you know, thirty seconds on what comes straight into your head. Okay, uh, twelve. Twelve is
1: pokes or cheats. Ooh, oh, I did, like, I did like a good poke. Um, yeah, God, that that cover tapes is what springs immediately to your mind with that because he tended to use the pokes and the kind of hints and tips bit as. Tape filler, really. And they'd put like a nice bouncy message on, but really all it is is stuff they could have printed in the magazine anyway. One more number, please. Uh, seven.
0: Tape loading.
1: <laughs> I, I'm one of the weirdos that loves it. I, I love everything about it. The rattle of the cassette, you yeah, know, rewinding to the right side, that just the sounds of it. I, I'd quite happily, if Alexa had a playlist, listen to Specky Games loading in the background while I was working.
0: You can only buy one more machine what are you going to buy
1: you'll laugh at this one because it because it's a sinclair pc 200 <laughs> <laughs> and i know it's an amstrad in a frock um but oddly i have the monitor for it oh um which i got for a tenner but the i've i've missed out on a couple of the machines and now they've just skyrocketed They're, there's no way i'm getting one anymore
0: why why well because they have got a sinclair badge on them I can't. It's one of those <laughs> illogical things. Of why has this heap of rubbish? It's like it's like finding out a Skoda Estelle is suddenly worth twenty grand. Yeah. It's but because the, they've stuck some special badge on it, it makes it incredibly. I mean, I'd have one like a <laughs> shop, but that's I'm not not at that price. It, no, they're getting on
1: for five hundred quid now, so not a chance in hell. Um, if I was going to do that, I'd buy a PC engine or something like that. I don't know what happened. I mean, they literally were hovering around 2250 250 for ages. And then during kind of the lockdown period, they just doubled. It's one of those things, the The ones with the flaws are the interesting machines. Yes. And that's so flawed. <laughs> <laughs> so, but it's, you know, it's black, has a matching monitor, Sinclair in red on it. It kind of looks like Darth Vader's Amiga, yeah, it just, it's one of those machines that always just fascinates me and I just want to see. And I know the keyboard will be awful um, and it'll be all clacky and bouncy and a bit like an
0: Archimedes. Um, well, I imagine it probably... Well, they are basically Amstrad PPC 512s. I assume the keyboard's going to be the same as that. And those keyboards aren't too bad. Oh, okay. Um, oh, no, you're going to make me want one now. Because it's all <laughs> the same inside. So I think it's just a re- re-engineered PPC five twelve. So I think you, it's probably not too bad in terms of typing, but hideous in every other respect.
1: Yeah, you, yeah. I was going to say st- stop saying bits of it are better because I'll start thinking.
0: Well, maybe five hundred isn't too bad. <laughs> I've just sold my I've just sold my PPC six forty to get. Yeah, look, I've got space <laughs> on the side of my. I mean, it's still a Dell PC. If so I'm going off mic. a Dell Windows XP PC. I have to keep the floppy disks. There is still. Yeah, an XE and some other stuff that shouldn't really be in my work office, mm. but that's my contribution this year to clearing up some space. Something Mrs. Chinney doesn't kick off about mm. the Amstrad green screen monitor, <laughs> DMP two thousand <laughs> printer, and Philips MSX one that's uh, in the spare room.
1: At least it's <laughs> not in the kitchen.
0: <laughs> not in the kitchen. I know. I know someone. <laughs> I'm not going to mention names, but they've got a Master Compact. In, in their kitchen among other machines is that for recipes So, <laughs> so it's uh, yeah it's, what does this hobby mean to you? I guess it's kind of an escape. It's funny. I,
1: people ask me oh what you know what do you plan because I have everything set up I, I you know I've got everything all the machines that are in here are all on shelves they've all got Crts or there's a, a bravia flat thing on the wall as well. So I could technically turn any of these on now. And, you know, there's enough SCART cable to bring down an AT-AT. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, it is all set up, but I very rarely play. I tinker. And it is, you know, sometimes I'll just come in, in here and just sit in here. It is It's just an escape room. Not in, I want to get out, but yes. <laughs> it's a room to escape to. Yeah, I'm surrounded by all this stuff. Think, things I have nostalgia for, things I'd lusted after as a kid, things I'd never even seen back then. And just like, oh my God, what the hell is this? But yeah, I tend to tinker or fix things. Or, for example, I got the um, Archimedes
0: thirty ten, and you do um, need to tinker with an Archimedes because they're forever do. going wrong.
1: Yeah, I had to send that <laughs> off to Mutant Caterpillar because it had popped one of its chips off the board. Oh, just, One of the soldered chips had just ejected itself. So they it's... are,
0: they're, they're insane. I've got one for the channel. <laughs> I don't move it because if you move it the kind of the podule that does all the IDE stuff subtly shifts mm. and then you have to open the thing up and resync the lot before it will boot. It's yeah. fine, but, but the boards inside are so thin. It's like, how mm. did Acorn go from like, here's the BBC micro and master. It's built like a tank. So here's this super big, very expensive, very state of the art computer. It's so brittle. <laughs> fragile and brittle. Mm. And I can't, I can't work it out. No, I mean, I
1: I bought one of the, it was a a recreation of the Eid Podule. I probably got it from someone off Stardot, actually. Um, So I got that, partitioned it, put pretty much every piece of software and everything, spent weeks and weeks setting it up and, oh, isn't it brilliant? And transferring things because I couldn't get it on a network. So I had to transfer things on PC floppies. Uh, So it took a while (laughs) and I filled it all and I've kind of stopped turning it on now. Because that's kind of the bit I like doing, is setting them up and pimping them out. So pretty much everything I've got has some kind of SD card solution, or you know, a multi cart, or something like that. And it's it's the setting up and tinkering with them and kind of going, oh, this is great. The only times I get to use these, and COVID absolutely banjacks this for me, is I used to cart all this stuff into work and do games nights, and that was great fun. We get you know. Sort of half, you know, a dozen people staying behind after work on a Friday. We get pizzas in, and most of the guys staying behind are 15 years younger than me. So they've never used any of these. So I'd have, you know, the GameCube in there and they'd all play Mario Kart on. The Vectrex always gets a crowd. Showing someone loading off cassette is always interesting when they've no idea what's going on. (laughs) Um, But those games nights were really the only time I used my own stuff. I am very much a tinkerer.
0: That's good. Everyone's got their own different reasons for, mm. for doing this hobby. And it's, sometimes it, it changes and morphs as it goes along. People start off with a small amount of machines, get loads, or they just want to play Commodore 64 games all day, so they only have Commodore 64s. There's a, everybody is different.
1: Yeah, I mean, I've lost count how many um, Spectrums I've ended up with from that period where they were like 15 quid. <laughs> I had a stack of um, spectrum boards and cases and
0: I mean, always need spares.
1: Always well, need spares. That, yeah, this is the problem. My <laughs> my spares were very numerous and were taking <laughs> up the loft. Um, so I have started getting rid of bits and bobs. And like I said, I gave uh, an A five hundred away and a CPC away because I've, I've kept the six one two eight, but gave the four six four away just because it's like I'd go up in the loft and open a box and there's 12 Spectrums. It's <laughs> just
0: like it's, I don't uh, need that yeah. many spares. <laughs> it does. I, I just kind of – I look down here. Me, I'm guessing that's a couple of plus threes and a 464 four down there. <laughs> I don't know. And there's Oh, and no, I can see a 6128 down there. Beneath me a 6128 plus – I think. Oh, uh, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I've got box. Sometimes I lose machines. I'm sure the same happens to you. I think. <laughs> yeah. Don't I have three, four, six fours? I can't remember. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've done that. I've gone on the hunt for things, and I've had
1: to check in here because there's boxes in here that are crates underneath the table. The loft has stuff in, and the garage has stuff in. So it's a bit of an adventure going to find something. I know I've
0: got somewhere. Well, thanks for joining me today. It's been absolutely fascinating hearing hearing about your your past with computers and and your collection that you've been building up. Where can people find you?
1: Mainly Twitter. I mean, like I said, I did try and start a YouTube channel. I do so much DIY. There seems to be a never ending li- uh, list of DIY that I, that kind of fell by the wayside. I managed four videos, I think. So Twitter, I'm uh, there as D two zero five. If you want to look at the YouTube channel, it's Retro Gubbins. Um, you'll spot it because it's the one with a wooden cabineted spectrum on it.
0: Well, you never know. You never know when there might be another lockdown and you suddenly get time oh, yeah. to uh, start a YouTube channel. <laughs> <laughs> or continue it rather. Um, thanks thanks for joining me today, Matt. No, it's been a pleasure. Thanks for having me on. So, thanks to Matt. And in the unlikely event you haven't seen the Tuning Vision YouTube channel, just go to YouTube. And type in Chini Vision, and then there'll be all 460 something episodes there for you to watch. And there'll be another Chini Vision podcast, not sure when, but at some point in the future. Thanks for listening.